On this show, as you know, we talk often about China and their growing influence and uh, how it just seems to be continuing and continuing and continuing as they rise to dominance, some people say. Uh, You've probably heard, perhaps, about the um, Belt and Road Plan. That's a a massive, massive spending initiative by the Chinese government to increase basically their distribution. That's what it comes down to, through shipping lanes and through different overland uh, uh, shipping and things like that. But it impacts dozens and dozens and dozens of countries around the world with massive new infrastructure development. It it really, really is huge. Uh, so we're going to dig into that a little bit, what it looks like, and also some of the implications that it's having on some of these countries and some more vulnerable areas of our planet when it comes to environment and species at risk, wildlife, all these sorts of things. How much consideration is that being given? To get some details on this situation, we're going to chat with Blake Alexander-Simmons. Uh, Blake is a postdoctoral research fellow at Boston University. And also Rebecca Ray, who is a senior academic researcher in global development policy at BU. Um, Blake, Rebecca, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Good morning. Great to be with you. Uh, Why don't we just start? Somebody give us the background on the Belt and Road Initiative so we have some understanding of what we're talking about here. It's basically a massive infrastructure plan by the Chinese government to increase distribution out of their country, correct? That's certainly one part of it. It's actually multifaceted. It includes trade, investment, finance, government cooperation uh, across the developing world. So it's not just supplies for Chinese goods, but it's also facilitating Chinese investment abroad, uh, as well as trade uh, and government collaboration. So it's multifaceted. It's hundreds of billions of dollars in new projects. Uh, And I want to emphasize that if you've ever gone to the bank for a loan, you know how it works. You walk in with an application. So the Belt and Road Initiative works kind of similarly in that countries all around the world are bringing their projects to China. uh, And China is uh, saying yes to hundreds of millions of dollars of them. Um, Okay, we can talk about that in a second. First of all, when we talk about the impact it's having globally, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of countries all over the globe are involved in this, correct? Over 100 countries, exactly. Wow, unbelievable. Okay, now let's talk about the debt being taken on and being owed to China and China's global influence. Um, uh, That's obviously concerned. Basically, you're you're beholden to China in some respects, right, Blake? Yeah, I mean, uh, China's lending portfolio has a history of not exerting uh, conditionality onto its uh, lending. So countries will come to China, as Becky mentioned, to have them finance their development projects. But one of the problems is that China doesn't really have any safeguards, or at least for the bulk of its period, the lending, it didn't have any social or environmental safeguards like some other international lenders like the World Bank. And so what we're seeing is that a lot of these projects that have been financed in the past, they're occurring within areas that are really sensitive to the potential impacts of development. And so these are things like national protected areas, places that might be uh, potential critical habitats for threatened species, as well as on indigenous lands. And that can bring some really perverse uh, outcomes whenever we think about the importance of recognition and consent of indigenous communities for what happens on their land. So the potential impacts are really huge, uh, and it's really uh, up to China to sort of have this oversight on all of these development proposals that they can help sort of safeguard what might happen on the ground. 
Do you have any examples? Have you had a chance to take a look? Um, how far down the road are we here, and what kind of impacts are you seeing on, as you mentioned, some of these vulnerable areas, you know, species at risk, indigenous concerns, things like that? Has that already been impacted? So some of these projects... Oh, go ahead, Blake. So some of these projects uh, have been completed. Some of them are, are still in progress, uh, under construction, or even still just in development. And so really what we scope out here is where those projects are happening, but also where they're planning to be happened. Um, and so what we see is that the risks are really diverse. So they spread across South America, Central Sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia, with some of these countries having the majority, if not all, of their loans being uh, for financed for projects in these sensitive areas, like I mentioned. Yeah, uh, Becky, this same question to you. When you take a look at this, what what leaps out at you as something like, "Whoa, this this is just wrong." Something we need to be aware of. <laughs> what leaps out at me is that China is really at approving loans. And you may have heard that there's a $40 trillion infrastructure gap out there standing in the way of poor countries. And so China's very attractive as a place to go to get a loan for your portfolio of projects. But they're really fast because they don't have the environmental and social yeah. oversight governance that like the World Bank has. And so countries are taking their projects to China that maybe they couldn't get approved at the World Bank because they don't meet the environmental standards. Sometimes, though, a fast project approval can mean a great thing. It can mean a fabulous uh, set of roads and rails and, and solar panels all going in in a network fashion. But what we see a lot is countries taking to China their plans that they couldn't take anywhere else. And so China becomes like a lender of last resort for countries with dirty pro- boondoggle projects that they just want to get approved. Now, China doesn't want to be the lender of last resort for dirty boondoggles. They right. want to be everywhere and do business with everyone. So we're hoping our work can kind of head- help those planners shift their portfolios into areas that are uh, greener planning for better projects in safer places. Now, there's been a couple of stories recently where China is at least talking about environmental considerations, but as far as I know, they're all dealing with what happens within China. They did say yesterday they're not going to build any new coal plants. Um, but you, is it all just sort of, we're going to do what we're going to do in our country, but when it comes to lending out money and getting our Belt and Road Initiative, no holds barred? Do they give any consideration to some of the things that you're talking about here? Or are you looking for the borrowing companies to deal with this? Or uh, countries? It's, on, it, it's the responsibility of everybody involved, yeah. of course. Uh, but yes, what China announced yesterday is huge. They not only said we're going to stop building coal plants internationally, but they also said we're going to step up our financing for green energy around the world. And let me tell you, developing countries around the world have been hungering for investment in green energy. We have identified not this particular project, but our colleagues in our center have identified a trillion dollars in green energy projects that are waiting for financing and investment uh, and for someone to do the research about how to make them a reality. So this investment, this announcement from China about a shift into green energy development is potentially huge. But we have to bear in mind that China's only been doing this for uh, about 10 or 20 years internationally at this scale. And so they haven't developed any of these environmental governance yeah. standards how to make sure you aren't citing a project in a wetland, how to make sure you're working with local indigenous communities. All of these are new 
concerns for their international lending. So we're hoping to be useful in that space to stakeholders in borrowing countries, in China, and in the companies who are going to work on this project. Would you like to add anything? I think it's important to recognize uh, the realization that we can't have a functioning economy without a healthy and functioning environment. And one of the important things that I noticed at uh, the president of China's uh, UN speech that he gave the other day uh, is that there's really no mention of the importance of biodiversity or conservation on the ground. And that's going to be critical because coming up, China is hosting the Convention on Biological Diversity's Conference of the Parties. And so this is going to be a big global meeting uh, for government leaders around the world to set the stage for the next decade of conservation actions. And green financing is becoming a staple of those plans. Yeah. And so China really has an opportunity here to lead other Western lenders by example to say, hey, we are not just considering renewable energy, but we're also thinking about where we're placing these on the ground and avoiding those high-risk areas to people and nature uh, as they've been doing really well domestically within their own borders. I, I hope you guys are right. I'm a little skeptical because we also know that China operates. They China does what China wants to do, and and they may talk about these things. But ultimately, China is going to do what's in the best interests of China. And I don't know if those environmental statements that they've made will hold up. Are you more confident than I am? Am I just being skeptical here? <laughs> I think healthy skepticism is, is <laughs> always a good idea uh, regarding any party. Uh, as an academic, we always keep healthy skepticism front and center in our minds. But this is it's important to remember that at this point, uh, Japan has said they're not doing overseas coal financing. The U.S., Europe are not doing overseas coal financing. So China is recognizing that they don't want to be the lender of last resort for these bad projects. Mm. They don't want to specialize in projects that people can't get approved anywhere else. That would make them like a subprime lender for development infrastructure. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, So I think it's really in China's interest to get out of that sector. And as Blake points out, it's also in China's interest to start paying attention to where they're approving projects. Uh, so that they don't get bogged down in projects that aren't going to be successful because the local people are, don't want a project there because it's on indigenous territory or it's in a critical habitat or a national park. Uh, all of these considerations need to be built in. Ultimately, it's in China's interest to get on board. Uh, and they're recognizing that, I think, which is why we saw that announcement. They're not just doing it because they're good global citizens. No national government is going to put aside their own national interest. Of course, they're also paying attention to their national interest. But I think they're now realizing it is in their national interest to get on board. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's a global discussion and it will continue. Blake, um, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you both joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thanks very much. That is Blake Alexander-Simmons and Rebecca Ray from Boston University, who've done a lot of work into this Belt and Road Initiative that China has launched and is funding all kinds of different capital projects all around the world and saying, oh, wait a minute, let's not forget completely about the environment when we have these sort of discussions. Got to keep an eye on China. We keep banging that drum here on this show. They're not sitting back, right? We know. (laughs) They're exerting their influence more and more. All the time. And, uh, you know, it could be for good, it could be for bad. I mean, a lot of these projects that they're talking about doing in some of these countries, the countries are very eager to have happen. 